is Evolutionary Radio. This is your host, Trevor Caritz, and we got another really good episode for you guys. This is episode 221. If you want to listen to any of the previous 220 episodes, you can go to evolutionary.org forward slash podcast. Steve, do you want to be honored in introducing today's guest? Yes, Chris Cormier is uh, with us. Cormier, Cormier. Um, either one of pronunciations is fine. You guys have probably read articles on him on our website, evolutionary.org, and we have him as a special guest. He's been top 10 Mr. Olympia many times. We're very honored to have him. How you doing, Chris? He's at the gym right now, so that's what the background noise is. Yes, uh, I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you great. So, Chris, our first question I have for you is the real deal. Where did that nickname come from? Uh, that comes from uh, a nickname I got through having a resemblance and characteristics of uh, Vander Holyfield. Uh, he went by the real deal uh, back in the day, and uh, it's been uh, kind of stuck with me over the years. And uh, and also, he was a smaller heavyweight, uh, went from light heavy cruiserweight to uh, heavyweight champion. And I was going against a lot of the bigger guys in the in the circuit, and I was on a smaller side of 230-some pounds, 240 and uh, the nickname kind of just stuck. Chris, you're someone who I consider a legend in the IFBB. So for our younger listeners who have maybe never heard of you, give us your background. How did you get into weightlifting? When did you first um, Yes. Uh, All that stuff. Or, yeah, I started, started back when I was uh, a young teenager, uh, lifting weights from maybe 12 or so, just trying to catch up with my friends and get, uh, get my... Uh, they used to call me man child as a kid because I used to, I had started gaining a lot of weight really fast, so it's been like 20 pounds a year. Uh, but I graduated at 16 years old, so I was on a, I was definitely uh, not as mature as my friends uh, in age wise, but they couldn't tell from the way I looked. So it uh, uh, just started uh, going on from there. And one of my high school teachers thought I should try bodybuilding, and then uh, uh, once I once I went to one of my first shows, my Christian was a guest holder, and I uh, loved what I saw up there. And I was uh, bitten by the iron bug as far as going to competition and seeing what I could do in the sport. So you grew up in Palm Springs, California. Are you still out in Southern California now? Yes, I'm in uh, I'm in Southern California still. Not in Palm Springs exactly now, but my family, uh, my son, everyone still lives there still. So I go back and forth to there. How often are you in Kuwait? In Kuwait, I go there twice a year. I hold my camp there before uh, before it's Olympia, and that's when I uh, do a lot of work with the camel crew out there. But if I have uh, a reason to go there, you know, besides that, to work with someone specifically, then I'll do that also in between that time. So that's, that's what a lot of listeners want to know, Chris, is like, what exactly is going on in Kuwait? You know, is, is is there is that anabolic chicken? Is there like some special drugs over there? Like, why does everyone want to go? <laughs> well, I I used to want to go there before when a lot of other posts started to go out there. Um, uh, just didn't have the the opportunity to until uh, I came face to face with Beta Budai, Bada Budai, she said, and he uh, uh, he. He was a, a, a big fan of mine uh, when I was competing, and uh, he was interested in hearing what I had to say and what I could teach out there. He invited me to come do uh, a camp, a training camp, posing camp, all that in one. And uh, uh, the people enjoyed it. They, you know, kind of, uh, you know, gravitated toward my teaching and, and what I had to, to, to show the guys in the Middle East. And uh, just started going out there periodically after that and kept doing camps, and it's been a few years. How's the food over there? Wait, how's the food? The food is so... Oh, the, the food is awesome. I mean, when we go over there, it's nothing but, you know, I mean, that's that's what we do is we, we eat, we train, we, uh, uh, you know, go, it's just like, that's what we do. We train, we eat, we hang out, we go to the mall, which is like, I haven't seen a whole mall yet. It's so huge that, uh, 
I've been out there a few years now. I still haven't been able to see the whole mall yet. So that gives you any idea how big that mall is. Yeah, oil money. Oil, oil money goes a long way, huh? Yeah, I mean, even yeah, the land is so rich. You know, even to build a building out there, it's, it's going to cost you a few million to put that up, a building up there, up there. So you can bet on that. What What about women and parties? Is there a big party scene over there? Ah, uh, you have to really know somebody for that type of situation. <laughs> if, if that if it's going on, I wouldn't know. <laughs> but, it's, a cons- uh, yeah. it's a conservative country, Trevor. I mean, that's going to be underground, yeah. sir. Why is yeah, it? Yeah, I was just thinking the, bodybuilders like the party, so I was thinking maybe, you know, some bodybuilders were getting into some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I mean, you do your own thing. Like, I bring my PlayStation out there, and uh, so I'm, I'm kind of like going on, you know, playing online with people out there still and doing my thing like that. And like I say, you know, it's a lot of food. You go out there to get some work in, so it's a total concentration on one's physique out there. I brought Breon Ansley out there to prepare for the Olympia. Uh, and he loved it, man. He was kind of apprehensive about going, but once he got out there, he saw exactly why I wanted him to go, and, and he loved every, every minute he spent out there. So, so if so, I understand correctly, David Badai basically sponsors you, so he basically pays for your room, pays for your food, pays for everything. Is that true? Well, it could be for some of the people who are on the elite team, yeah. Not, not every you know, person there, but if you're on the elite team of the count group, then... He's probably gonna, you know, take care of pretty well. So those of you who are new to bodybuilding may not know that Chris, he was number three at Mr. Olympia, both in '99 and 2002, finishing. Uh, Ronnie Coleman won both those years. So Chris, let me ask you: Are you and Ronnie good friends? Are you guys rivals? Is there a little? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we had we were we were all good friends. I used to go and stay at Ronnie's house. We'd go to cowboy football games together. Uh, we used to, uh, you know, we trained together periodically, which was fun for me because it was, you know, I wanted to see how intense he was or how how he was winning these Olympias. I, I didn't think it was something he took or something he ate. I thought it had a lot to do with the, the gym and and all the intensity that goes into each workout. So I wanted to work out with him. So, yeah, he, we've been friends over the years. We, we're, uh, we're still friends to this day. So... I don't see anything different about that, but it's uh, we were very competitive. Also, like when we went to the stage, like we wanted to go for the juggler on each other, and it wasn't. Uh, it was fine with me because that's just the way it was, you know. Well, that's a heck of an accomplishment for sure. You had a really awesome run, um, one of the most impressive runs in bodybuilding. So, uh, that what's what's something that you can kind of tap into for our listeners that want to strive and improve. Obviously, 99% of us are never even going to sniff the Olympia stage, but what can, <laughs> what can you tell us to kind of get us to that next level so we can be really the best we can be with bodybuilding? Um, the best you can be is to... A lot of people have this monkey see, monkey do type of thing with the exercises or with the with uh, what someone is taking or someone's special diet. Some, you know, you're not going to eat yourself to a championship physique. That's for sure. That's that's how I feel about it. People get stuck with, you know, eat big, train big, you know, whatever like that. But as you see and as you've been seeing, a lot of people eat way too much for one's physique. You know, there's a certain weight that a body looks good at and a certain weight that it don't look good at. You just got to find your weight for yourself. Uh, not everyone has your proportions, your genetic ability, or makeup, uh, metabolism, and so forth. So get, try to understand that when you build, trying to build the best physique you can. And, uh, you know, I always thought I could beat a lot of people because I outworked them in the gym. And that was my thing, was to outwork any and everybody that was in the gym with me at that time no matter who it was, just outwork them. Do, do more than they are. Train harder, train smarter. And I got smarter and smarter as picking the exercises and picking the rep range, of the, the rep style. Mastering the repetition is where you're going to get it. Not, it's not just going up and down with the weight. 
You're also one of the strongest guys out of all the guys who have been in top five Mr. Olympia. You're considered one of the strongest guys along there with Ronnie. Did you have a strong, a strongman background, a powerlifter background that kind of built nah. base for you? Nah. No, I, didn't, I never really wanted to do a powerlifting background. I thought I thought power body, I was one of the first guys really power bodybuilding, I thought. And uh, I was trying to, I just thought, you know, the, the bigger the weight, bigger the muscle but you know as i got older that started to change that just started to change because i was doing you know five five hundred pounds on the incline here like every time i went to the gym and 200 pound dumbbells on the flat and the incline press was a normal thing for me it wasn't uh uh you know even if i was down if i wasn't uh actually taking anything at the time I was still the strongest guy in the gym. That would that didn't matter one way or another with me. So I was, uh, you know, even in my off season, nothing in my system. I was still doing seven plates on the squat, five plates on the incline, and you know, four four plates were like seven reps clean. And uh, and then when I all that stuff doubled when I was taking. Chris, for our younger listeners who are, you know, maybe uh, just starting bodybuilding, how important do you think it is to develop a strength foundation? Um, I, I mean, it's not. I mean, here's the thing: like, as a, as I got older, you you get wiser and you get uh, you get a bit better feel for it. And you, it's not really the strongest guy got the best looking physique or the best looking muscle development. So you just gotta, you know. If, if that's what you're after to feed your ego, then then I would just go at it, trying to get as strong as I can each month or each year or something like that. But if you're not doing it for the ego and you're just trying to get a better physique, then don't even worry about the weight. Just worry about how you're lifting and how you're utilizing the weight, how you're utilizing the dumbbells or the or the machines. You know, there's way more to it than just going for that that weight number. That's why when I got older wasn't as important because it was like, but actually after I finished competing, I really started getting smarter about what I'm doing in the gym. And that's how, you know, I've been been able to connect with different people's physiques and change a lot of people's physiques and make a lot of champions. So before, you know, um, when you were younger, you worked as a bouncer, um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. And you also had an incident with Mike Tyson. And that's actually the number one question that we've had. From, from, from our listeners, they want to know about the Mike Tyson situation. He's also yeah, yeah. You just, <laughs> you just sit there when people are trying to tell me, yeah, yeah. Mike Tyson's such a nice guy. He, you know, he gets misunderstood, and I'm looking at him like, yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> I, 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 I know I'm on a different level than that. <laughs> so, so he. No, but, tell us about the story. Apparently, you were a bouncer. He tried to fuck with you in the, in the club. Yeah, uh, it was, uh, I, I met him maybe, like, people introduced me to him at least 15 times in my lifetime. And every time, he acted like he never saw me before. And I know damn well, I got a very distinctive look, and there's no way you're going to see me that many times and not remember me. So he just played like he don't remember me every time I see him. <laughs> it's funny. But, uh, yeah, I was bouncing at the nightclub, Roxbury at the time. It was, a, it was the hottest nightclub in L.A., uh, Hollywood. And uh, everyone from Michael Jordan to the whole football team that come from the Super Bowl, they would come, like, every actor, actress, you know, I've seen, you name it. I, I mean, from Prince to, to uh, Mick Jagger to the Jacksons, everybody's been in there, right? So he come in there, and he totally, like, uh, it was... Sitting there, and it was like a numerous, it was probably about, you know, back then we had little black books. We didn't have like the cell phone and stuff now, but it was a little black book. Everyone would keep phone numbers in. And this guy had those yellow sheets, you know, those big tablets, those yellow sheet tablets. They were filling that thing up with a bunch of girls' numbers that wanted a, a phone call from him or wanted to hook up. So his whole crew was with him in the club, and they were all, you know, fondling all the women all that stuff. A lot of people was complaining about his whole crew the whole night, uh, <laughs> which no one really did anything. It was just like, okay, that's, you know, that's, they didn't really want to get involved with that guy too much, but 
I'm standing out there by his limo. He had a limo, had some some Harleys and some Rolls Royce, all in a in a caravan in a driveway. And I was just standing by the standing by one. And some girl came up behind me and said, "I can't believe you work for him and this and this and that." And I would just explain to her, "I don't work for Mike Tyson. I work for the for Roxbury Nightclub." And then next thing you know, bam! Like someone hit me from behind, like in the back of the head. And uh, it was my, and then what I, and it felt like someone hit me with something. It didn't feel like a hand. It felt like it was some kind of brick or something like that. Is what it totally felt like. And he, uh, I turned around. And was like, I said, mother, motherfucker. And it was him, right? So he's like, point to the guy next to him. He's like, he told me to do it, like with his loud voice. And then I was like, this motherfucker right here is like, I was like ready to go. You know, it's like. Definitely ready to go. My brother used to do that to me growing up, and that was something I don't take that kindly to. You know, when someone hit me in the back of the head like that, slap your neck and stuff. So then he started doing his little side-to-side movement that he does in his boxing, uh, uh, his boxing matches, and he said, "Well, what, what you want to do? What you want to do?" Like that. <laughs> and then, so I started to put him up too, and I'm thinking. Okay, I wrestled in college. I, I can handle myself with one person, but he had like 15 other guys with him. And I had, what, Flex and Rico at my side, and they were just like, just, you know, in the, a few steps away. But it was just something like, like I definitely want to get involved in that type of thing at that time. But some, you know, a lot of people stepped in between us and, you know, it kind of like went south from there. But I was pissed off the whole week. You know, after that, and I was like, I want to go look for that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, did, 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 to, like, he, did he mess that? with you? Did he mess with you on purpose, or was he just like, did he know who you were, and or did he just see, hey, this is no. a guy that I don't want to fuck with? Well, this this was 1992. Uh, he was the champion of the world. I was I was just uh, I wasn't even a USA champion yet. I've been I've been one of the top in the USA, but I was only fourth in in the in the USA that the the, the year before that. And I was just training with Flex at that time, just, you know, where he was going for his USA title. But we all wasn't even pros yet, but he, he was definitely the world champion. But he he just thought that he would pick on somebody that was a big guy. Because I heard in some of his interviews that he always had a chip on his shoulder against not being such a big guy. And he wanted to prove himself when he would see a big guy about how, how tough he is. So, so I've heard that. So are you guys cool we, now, or are you guys? Does he like? Yeah, we cool. We cool. It's just that uh, he he got a, he got a little smaller and older before I did, and then I was yeah. still like I'd see him sometimes in nightclubs, and so I'm like, man, I still should try to do something with this guy. But he he kind of we went looking for him and found him in this this nightclub, this uh this after 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 the club where we wanted to go to uh, this one restaurant in Beverly Hills, and he, we went to look for him there, and he was there. And so we were just kind of like picking, picking at him and picking, like laughing at him and stuff because they showed some of his fights when he had got knocked down and all this stuff. And we was just like busting up at the top of our lawn, just trying to antagonize him. And he, uh, he came over to our table and, you know, Rico was like, hey, man, uh, man, why you, why you hit my homeboy last week like that? And he was like, yeah, he's a big guy. He could take it. You know, so like that. I just kind of like took that as an apology. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's how that. That's how that went. But I mean, this thing is a mental mindset you got to be in. And we would just all go like, you're gonna go look for Mike Tyson, like really when he's a world champion. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's, that's that's the mindset we were in back in the day. We didn't we didn't give a shit. It was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's how that went. Chris, a lot of our listeners want to know what is it, what does your daily routine look like? Are you training people full time now? Yeah, full-time and uh, uh, mostly online. So I'm in touch with a lot of people around the world. So I do a lot of, a lot of Skype sessions and so I have to do my teaching. And, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's sort of like that. I do a lot of uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of online. And, yeah, that's, that's, that's basically what I like to do is teach the stuff that I learned over the years and the do's and don'ts and uh, just reaching out and... Giving back to the sport that I love. That's it. How did you link up with Breon Ansley? What's that? How did you link up with Breon Ansley? 
Uh, he contacted me online for some posing. Uh, uh, that was about three years ago. Um, and we connected uh, goals, and we went through uh, some posing and stuff, and kind of told me what he's done before. And at the time, he's done the, the LA Championships, the one that he won the USA, like uh, I guess at a you know like heavyweight or whatever. And then he went to, then he was did the two twelve, and he didn't do well. So then he wanted to try physique. Classic physique and wanted to improve his posing, so we got together and started posing. And I saw his body and I was like, I see, you know, he looks, you know, pretty good. I said, but he has some different areas he needs to improve to get better. And so I said, hey, well, after we did that posing session, I said, I want you to come downstairs. Let me show you some things you could do to improve yourself. You still got it a couple months ago, but you can make some improvements before you compete. Uh, so he did that. And when we came downstairs, he was like, he's like, man, I felt some things I never felt before. I said, I'm definitely, we're going to continue on and do some things together. He already had a, someone who was doing his diet, so we just kind of like uh, made like a little team and uh, went to, you know, on to what he's doing now. But we we hardly lost, we only lost the next Olympia and he went before it, but we haven't lost since then. So uh, we have a great rapport with each other, a uh, great relationship. Uh, you know, I know his parents, and uh, we kind of very close. He's spent our time in different parts of the world in uh, many sessions, and uh, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. I'm sure a lot of our listeners want to know when you're dealing with someone as elite as you know Brian Ansley, the current uh, Mr. Olympia and classic physique. Are you guys like buddy buddies, or do you keep it, you know, like a business relationship? Yeah, we're buddies. We're, we're we're good friends too. You know, we I also mentor him, and uh, I mentor him and uh, talk to him almost like a big brother, also, but also a friend. You know, but I try to uh, get him up to speed on the business aspect of it, also, and dealing with some of these contract situations he he does or. Uh, just everyday things, you know, relationship situations or what I've been through in my career, what you may experience in yours or may or may not or different uh, avenues you should probably explore instead of making a bad move, you know. So I think he, uh, you know, even his mindset on the stage, a lot of that comes from things I'm asking him to do or to understand about competition and being a general on the stage, you know, being what type of attitude you need to have. Step up and do this and do that. Like, I'm totally in his head when he goes to bed before the show and, you know, and leading up to the competition. Chris, I'm going to ask one more question. I'll let Steve jump in here. Um, my question for you, um, just... What are they going to say? Just slipped my mind. Oh, okay. Why, why do the 90s guys... Have such why what why why do the older guys like the '90s guys like yourself have such a solid hard look on stage compared to today where guys have ripped glutes but their abs are washed out like ha- have you noticed that what I'm saying yeah I noticed it um, you know a lot of people say I, I don't know for me my my opinion is that. It, so many things available now and people are taking and ingesting and putting in their bodies that we didn't even have back in the day. So how how did this new formula or this new something you're taking or just been you know brought to everyone's attention but it wasn't even here in the nineties and what like I didn't take most of that stuff that people I, I don't even heard of most of the stuff that people take and and then they uh but then, you know, they get to, they concentrating on his glutes and his snap, but yeah, it's not computing when it comes to the physique or the 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 actual uh, I don't know. They they do a lot of things that I I didn't do when I was doing it and it seems like it was the right minute, right move to make. I didn't overeat like a lot of people do and I didn't put a lot of different things in my body that these guys are doing. So you think it might be and, uh, all these weird peptides that are coming out. But I just, but, 
you know, you don't read. It's not like re, trying to rewrite the wheel. Re, re, you know how how the you know wheel's gonna go round and round every time, but you're trying to make too complicated with adding this and adding different things when you don't have to. It's, it's way more simpler than what people would think. I think it's not rocket scientists to eat a certain amount of calories. It's not rocket science to you know lift the weight, but it's like somewhere down the line. It's not computing when it comes to the work, the work, work ethic involved. They don't want to do it. It's not a pro. They don't want to pose. They don't. I'm talking about professional. They do not want to pose. Like what the hell is that? That's that's crazy to me. That's like something I would I would ask to get off work early as a young 20 year old, just so I can drive from Palm Springs to L.A. just to get some posing instruction from someone that's that knows more than I do. And I feel like these guys will balk at, at spending of, of a great poser. And not everyone's a great poser, I'm telling you. That's that's not the case either. But they would rather spend that on some something they can take, some type of drug they can take, than spend it on something that can really put them in a different light uh, as opposed to understanding and learning behind someone that really knows what they're talking about. So, so uh, Chris, um, tell us a little bit about where you're training now. Um, and do you have clients that come and train with you? You mentioned earlier you were at a gym. I think it was well, you're at the Venice Gold Gym as well. I'm actually here, but I'm just here to work out today. But I, I, uh, I see, I see train out of a, a, a self-made, self-made gym down in uh, Costa Mesa. Or I go to Gold's Gym downtown uh, periodically, not all the time, but and a lot of time it's online. But when I have a special uh, situation where someone wants to come and train, they usually fly in, get a hotel, where it's knock out a few days. Or uh, if there's someone local that's just coming into town to do something, I could probably meet up with them to do something. But I'm not, I'm not based out of Venice like I used to be. And, and tell us a little bit about... Um what it's like to train in a gym with all those i'm sure there's so many different bodybuilders and stuff is there um is it do you feel like that pushes you in the gym does do you feel like that the environment is important when you're training in a gym versus training in your house for example yeah it it used to get me fired up but back in the day when we didn't have a social media situation and crazy you know we didn't have the selfie thing going on and the the selfie sticks hanging out so you could take a good photo of yourself and we didn't do a set and then stop and take a photo of ourselves and do a set now, it, back then it was like we see one of our competitors we might even say something to each other or in between our set or or catch eye while you're doing cardio stuff like that drove us to like to get the best version of ourselves that we can make you know what I'm saying so you know you would see Flex Wheeler you would see Mike Bonarazzo uh you know, the Barbarian Brothers was big at the time. You know, Robbie Robinson was my mentor uh, growing up. So he he had a lot to do with my mindset in the gym and pushed me to my, you know, limits. And, uh, you know, we went against uh, some of these guys. He's just like, sometimes yeah, he'll turn around and just be like, this is Robbie I'm talking about. He'd say, like, soon that foot in the gym. It's all business. It's me and you. And there's weight. That's it. Let's go. Like that. You know, what are you going to do to that but to go in there and just, just kill some weight, right? Uh, but, yeah, we had different people come into town or so, different Mr. Olympias or whatever. And it just be like, you know, we all go around the same time. We all be at the firehouse at the same time. We all doing cardio around the same time. It was just like that. Chris, does it kind of depress you, the current state of gyms in America? You know, you got, like, the plant fitnesses, we're doing, like, squat racks. Like, does it, does yeah, it's, it's, only, it's only a few. That's pretty good, you know. I like, like the one on the East Coast, uh, the Beth Francis gym. Uh, of course, with better with, with, with Dubai, Dubai is doing in the Middle East is unpeccable. Un like, you can't even, like, put a, you can't put a, uh, a measuring stick on that. That's just... I tell him every time I talk to him, he's opening another gym or opening another business or striving for the next goal. I tell him he's got to, you know, he really needs to get some help about that. 
that situation because it's just I can't even like he thinks like that is what I, I tell him you know and uh, you know in America you know like I say there's there's those events is always going to be a mainstay uh, to win on the East Coast uh, uh, possibly something in the middle um, you know where Ronnie used to train and stuff that's always going to be like on the map but other than that it's you know it's, it's just a different world now just got to take that I guess so that's Steve you want to get another question? Tell us a little bit about um, training, Chris. Um, what's your training volume like now? Has it changed as you've gotten older? Do you think that yeah. training, training less is a smarter option? Oh, my God. This guy, I mean, well, it's just being smarter. You know, it's not about looking for, you know, your gain from adding another plate, but actually being smarter about the way you go about lifting the weight, you know? And about, uh, and that's still improving with me still. I'm still learning more and more stuff and uh, applying, still applying new techniques or uh, or new uh, uh, ways to build and, and improve the athletes. You know, myself, I'm just maintaining, you know, some pumps in here and there with sometimes with some of my clients or sometimes with, uh, uh, you know, by myself, but it's, uh, I really like to get involved when I do my camps and, and work side to side with the guys and uh, make some improvements on the, on everyone. But yeah, my, my training itself is just like more like three, four sets, you know, two hard ones at the end and two easier ones to start finding my range, finding my motion, stuff like that. How many days per week, Chris? You hear all these numbers, you hear, you know, like, if you're training more than five days per week, you're going to overtrain. You have people who say, ah, there's no such thing as overtraining. Yeah. What, what do you think? Oh, you can overtrain. <laughs> yeah, you can overtrain, but uh, a lot of these people who are training seven days a week, they're definitely not pushing their body to the absolute max. Uh, if you actually witness some of the workouts they're doing, actually it may be going to the gym that much, but even when I was doing it, uh, you know, I was just on the working on the surface of that muscle fiber, not working all the way down to the bone. You know, so if that's the case, you're definitely going to need some time off. So four days a week is fine for me at this age. But, you know, a competitive bodybuilder may go, you know, five, five days, something like that. It'd be good to get two days rest. How many days per week were yeah. on training when you were working with them? Well... Well, at my camp, I actually do a lot more than normal. So it's an intensified month. Sometimes, you know, it's a, you got to go there for at least two weeks. So I do six days a week. Uh, we start off with the, the guys uh, meeting for early morning uh, cardio and ab, ab training. And this is daily. And then uh, I'll meet with them around say 10 depending on how many groups I have sometimes I have two groups of like six to seven people or so in each group and I have an A and B group and we'll meet at say like 11 and then one at three uh, we'll train whatever body part we're training that day and then we'll go into posing and then uh, we will that would do that for both of the groups so we'll go after no matter what body part we're training we still pose afterwards and we do that six days a week up there uh, we eat together uh, after the training some, uh, most of the time and then uh, you know we'll take the Sunday off to go to the go to the you know the pool or the the, uh, the mall you know do some kind of get a little sushi time at that time or whatever it is we go go to the mall and eat that day or or walk around and just having some fun and shopping and stuff like that movies and stuff like that we go to the movies also something like that is that, is that all in Kuwait? What's that? Is that all in Kuwait? Yeah, that's all in Kuwait. So that's uh, so when they pay their money like that, just that warm up. When they pay their money like that, that's when uh, <laughs> that's when uh, it's uh, uh, you know, I, I make it worth their while. But you come back looking a different person when you come back. 
And that's with the cardio, with the training, with the posing, uh, with the active techniques that I teach out there. And uh, it's, it's awesome. Everyone leaves there very happy about the way they, the way they look. I'll ask one more question. I'll let Steve jump in. In Kuwait, do they have the same movies? Do they do the same like, shopping malls, or is it completely different? What did you say? In Kuwait, do they have the same movies as we do here in North America? Do they have the same movies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same movies. Same movies. There's a lot of it that's cut out. (laughs) You can imagine. So, your your movie might be cut down to like an hour if it's an hour 45, depending on what's what's involved in the movie. And then what about about stories? Do they have like McDonald's and stuff over there? What's that? What about shopping stores? Do they have like Lululemon and McDonald's over there? Oh, they have everything, dude. They have everything. Dude, they have everything in America. They got they got to multiply over there. So, I mean, anything and everything is over there. Especially they, they love all the American uh, restaurants and stuff. And they do quite well over there also. So, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. They have a lot of... They do have a lot of places that have low-fat... Uh, uh, menus, everything is, if you go there and you say, I want chicken, or I want uh, whatever, the steak, whatever, they ask you how many grams you want it in. They ask if you want rice and you want vegetables, they ask you how many grams you want this. They get, your whole menu is how many grams you want it in. So if you eat 300 grams steak, 200 grams of uh, rice, and 100 grams of uh, uh, broccoli, you're going to get just that. You don't just go and say, I want chicken, this and this and that. You tell them, and then, like I say, it goes off, the, the price goes off, you know, is a, the amount is about how much you are eating, not because you get a meal size of 200 of a of a steak, rice, and, and a vegetable. That sounds like bodybuilder heaven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty cool. So I want to kind of change subjects a little bit, Chris, because um, in 2016, you had a little bit of a health scare, something uh, with your back and your legs getting stiffened up. Can you um, touch on that a little bit? And um, what ended up happening with that? Uh, well, I had an infection in my spine back uh, back in the days. Uh, I was in Amsterdam for a few months. I had to go there periodically to train and stay for like three or four months at a time. And then I was uh, developed a bacterial infection, and I thought I thought uh, I'd be the smart one—not the smart one, but the the lazy motherfucking guy. I didn't go to the hospital. If I would have gone to the hospital, it would have changed my whole life. Still to this day, it wouldn't ever happen. I probably would have missed Olympia, and it would have been said and done already. But I thought I, I had a. A doctor friend who is no longer with us anymore now, but he gave me some antibiotics to get rid of it. I thought I had the right ones, but the wrong ones. So it it it, uh, it calmed it down, but it didn't kill the, the 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 infection. So I was training for the Olympia. I was on my way to go train with Dorian. So I'm on the East Coast waiting for Dorian to tell me, "Okay, come over. We're gonna you know get you started. Stay here, and we're gonna get to going for the Olympia." I was like. At the time, my abs were already in already, and I knew that that was going to be my year. Dexter ended up winning it that year, but I was on my way to being the best I've ever been. Uh, and, and I've never been as heavy with that lean uh, body fat. And I was going to probably come in around 260-something at the lowest point from there. And that would have been, that would have been uh, the biggest and hardest I've been to date. And I felt like it was going to be my best, and I never made it to the stage. So uh, I spent uh, six months under the uh, doctor's care. Uh, couldn't move out. And, uh, uh, yeah, I came close to dying. I didn't know how close I was to dying, but it was like, you know, they couldn't give me any more pain pills or pain, pain medication because, of, you know, that would have stopped your heart. And at the time, I didn't really care. I didn't want the pain to stop. I, like, I didn't know pain could hurt that much. You know, it was just, uh, and every TV show was where are they now type athletes and, you know, all this stuff on, on the television every day. And that's all I was looking at. It was like, damn, is it all over? Is it all done? You know, I wasn't ready for my career to be over. 
and I would just kind of see how far, how what I, I would just kind of you know be hell bent on getting back stage, back onto the stage again. But at that time, I was losing contracts at the left and right as I sit and lay in my hospital bed, and uh, you know I was still with Muscle Tech, but they were threatening that if I didn't make it back to Olympia, they were going to cut me. Uh, so that that money went start dwindling down and I was rushing trying to get back on stage and then I ended up hurting myself uh, riding with you know when I got back to better help riding on a BMX bike with my kid so I ended up you know falling off the bike and hurting my injuring my tricep and it was like from there and I said you know I gotta still go for this competition I ended up going there and not looking they started judging me I felt how I looked in 99 as opposed to you know, right now, and uh, this hurt me in the standings. I took, I took a fourth when I thought it should have been at least second. And then uh, I did one more show after that uh, in Atlanta, Atlantic City, New Jersey show, and that was my last competition. That was uh, that was uh, that was it. I didn't make it to the Olympia, and then all my contract went down, and then I was left trying to see what was next. You know, for me, you know. So you were you were in the hospital for how long when this happened? I was on a hospital. I was on the care for six months. <laughs> six months. Wow. I was watching okay. a yeah. I was, I was watching a drip of a antibiotic come into my system for six months. What was your medical bill like? Did you have insurance? Oh, uh, insurance at the time. It was like, and then it was like costing me. Uh, a uh, thousand a week just to get that medication, and I, I think they, I think they had me go longer just to make the money. That's what I did. <laughs> so, so you said you had insurance, or you didn't have insurance? I did not have insurance. No, most bodybuilders have. It's hard to get insured at that time. Yeah, yeah, because I don't have insurance either. So if that happened to me, I'd pretty much just be like, just, just let me die. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> yeah. to leave yeah. a hundred bill. You know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. horrible, man. I'm it sorry. Fucked up, man. Fucked up. Everything went to that. Everything went to that. You know. Everything went to that. What do you think Big Ramy needs to do to finally win that Mr. Olympia? Number one is 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 keeping him from winning. It's it's all on a person, you know. Like it's never been a coach. Like he has some of the best coaches that they have available today. It can't be coaching. It's just got to be something else. So that's have to be up to Rami. You know, Rami can do it if he wants to do it. I feel. I don't feel that there's any reason why he can't. Like you say, he's got to find that weight and find that look that makes you the best, and stick with that and go in there with the uh, with the heart of a lion, ready to, to take everybody out. That's what you need. Who, who's your pick for um, that's going to be up and coming next year at the Olympia? Because no one no one thought Sean Roden would do it. Do you think that he's going to repeat, or do you think that uh, Phil Heath will come back, or what do you think is going to be a I think surprise? Look at, I, I think you got to look out for Roly Winkler. I think you got to work out look out for Roly Winkler. That's what I think. He was he's got the most. He's, he's got. Yeah, he's a people's champ, and I, I think that would be great for the sport to have a well-liked champion. Uh, he has a great heart, and uh, he, he he don't mind. He don't, he don't mind, but he will go through pain. He will go through so much stuff that's not, not the most people won't, you know? I, I got to ask, Chris, those are some of the craziest triceps I've ever seen. How, wh- how do you oh, get triceps like those? Uh, man, he's born with that. I mean, his arm is is something to, like, his forearms. It's like his wrist is about an inch long. And then after that, the forearms are the from there. Like, I've never seen anyone like that. I can't even get into some kind of poses because he's just, his development of his body is just too, too, uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's just so much muscle per square inch on that guy more than anyone in the world, I think. Guys the but he, but he, but people don't know this. But he only was able to train his legs like three, three weeks before the Mr. Olympic competition, because he's been nursing an injury in his knee like this whole year. So uh, he's probably going to get that looked at, uh, uh, you know, as soon as possible. So that's probably going to 
uh, once that once that's done, I think you're going to see a, a different look anyway. It'll be an exciting 2019 Olympia for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. So you're going to be working with Brianna. You're going to see me. You're going to see me. You're going to see me. I'll see. I'll see you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think. I think uh, it's gonna be the, the, the guy that's coming for that title is gonna be Roly. Tell us a little about your straight shredded clothing company. I saw that on your Instagram. Is is that your? Yeah, straight shredded. Yeah, straight shredded dot com, and I uh, made a, uh, a, a a good relationship. And uh, uh, it's, it's str straight and then shredded uh, dot com. You can uh, go there and uh, find some uh, really cool stuff. It's kind of like a half street wear, half street wear, half gym wear type of feel. Uh, and uh, you know you can wear it anywhere. And that's that's kind of uh, I, I like I like I love it. So it's uh, kind of made a good partnership uh, in the company. Okay, I'll have that website in the show notes for our listeners so you guys can definitely check that out. Uh, thank you. Absolutely. And uh, besides that, it's been the it's been the training. It's just been the training and uh, you know the stuff that I learned. You know, working with Orion, working with different people. Uh, uh, I worked with Charles Glass over the years. Worked with. Uh, uh, Robbie Robinson to start out with, and uh, and Robbie's still in my life for any type of thing I want to do. He's always been there for me. He's like an uncle to me, so I always give love and love love to Robbie. Yeah. So so if one of our um, listeners want to fly in LA and work out with you, you do that, right? Yeah. Just uh, reach me on my email at therealdealcormier at gmail.com or hit me up on IG at Chris. Cormier too, and uh, drop me a DM. Um, you know, uh, like I said, I, I think a lot of people don't have a better, a good idea of what they should be doing, and how they should do it. They just go for the person who is the next pro or the the guy just won this title. He must know. But a lot of people that act professional, they still need help with understanding things. Because uh, I think I think I. Once I reached the level I did uh, mentally, physically, and also with the coaching and teaching that I've had over the years, I finally connected all the dots, and that's when I started putting it to work with, with uh, different athletes, and you see the results that has been happening. It's, uh, there, there's not a single body out there that I can't help, or figure girl, physique, girl, guy, whatever. And... Uh, yeah, man, it's been fun, and uh, I'm gonna keep doing it as long as I enjoy it. When I don't enjoy it no more, then I'm gonna step away from it. <laughs> Chris, what did what did you get to your workout? But what do you need training tonight? Uh, leg day today, legs. Oh, but it's Monday. Leg day. Yeah, it's leg day, man. <laughs> A lot of people it's chest day, but this is leg day. Real deal style. I like that. Starting the week off strong. <laughs> so right. yeah, it's good, man. For your host, Trevor Christian, for my co-host, Steve Smee, and for our special guest, Chris, the real deal Cormier, this has been another episode of Evolutionary Radio. Live your life, look good doing it. Thanks for listening.